Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is Wednesday, and it's time for Wednesdays with Wayno. Cardinal pitcher Adam Wainwright joins us as he does every Wednesday on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Wayno. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all? Good. You're getting set to pitch in Milwaukee. But before we get to Milwaukee, i got to find out about Boston. How did you like Fenway, and how did you like the weekend in Boston? Well, it would have been better to win two out of three than lose two out of three to them. Um, but we played some tough games. We uh, we learned a lot about their players. We might see them later in the postseason. Who knows? They're a good team. They're, they've uh, After that first couple of weeks, they really started playing well, and June, they've been really good. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple of times we beat ourselves. And so it was a learning, it was a learning, uh, experience for a lot of our players and, um, always great to see Fenway, always great to see history, you know, and, and, uh, and see the, the things that baseball looked like 150 years ago or however long that park's been there. I mean, might've been 350 years. I don't know. It's been there a long time. Um, but, uh, Boston is a great city too to visit, and the fans are awesome. So, uh, and our and our fans traveled well, man. We had a great representation in Boston, uh, as we did last night or a couple nights ago in uh, in Milwaukee. Our fans are traveling as good or better than I've ever seen them this year, and I think it might have something to do with old number five being out there. Well, Adam, speaking of of number five, I heard that Albert may have arranged for the team to go to an NBA Finals game while you guys were in Boston. Is that true? And if so, can you take us through that experience? He's such a stud. <laughs> we uh, we did. He he uh, he he surprised everyone with a, a box suite at the Boston Garden for Game Six, which ended up being the clinching game. And we watched Steph Curry put on an absolute clinic. I mean, it was just so cool to watch one of the best ever go about his business. And I mean, it looked like he was, honestly, it looked like Steph Curry was, was running around, um, like, like skating, like gliding, you know, but running around and everybody else had their feet tied together or something. It was, he was just so much smoother and faster than everybody out there. It was just remarkable. I mean, that, Every time he did anything, we all looked at each other like, wow, dude, that was amazing. And he shoots, you know, the guy shoots from all different angles and doesn't have his feet set or off balance, and it could be from half court. It doesn't really matter. If he gets the ball in his hands and has a clean look at it, it's it's probably going in. I mean, he's probably the best shooter of all time, but it was really fun to see. And Albert, you know, Albert set that up. He didn't have to do that, and he – he, uh, you know that wasn't cheap either. By the way, he he uh, 
he's a very generous guy, but he's a, we love him as a teammate. What a fun bonding experience for all of you. Well, last thing for me, Adam, about Boston, you got to oppose a guy that you know pretty well in Michael Waka on Friday night, and we actually had him on the show Monday, and I asked him about what it was like for him to face you, someone who you guys have a relationship, you've meant so much to him in his career, you've been a mentor to him, and, and I asked him what he's learned from you that he's carried forward into his career today, and this is what he had to say. There's, there's a lot of things. I would have to say maybe he helped me with like a routine you know early on in my career he was uh he was the guy that i would always just i would watch everything that he did um you know that was starting in my first spring training and i was in the same spring training groups as him and we would go to different fields and do different drills with him and i would be able to watch how he went about his business um you know in the clubhouse and uh, in the training room, in the weight room, and then also, you know, how he carried himself off the field as well. Adam, do you ever think about that, how your mentorship to some of these younger guys or some of your peers even is part of your legacy, how they've taken things you've taught them and applied it to their success? Well, I mean, you – I know what impact my mentors had on me. And <clears throat> I think deep down you just hope that – you can have or have the ability to have an effect on somebody else in the same way. You know, that, that means a lot to me hearing Michael say that because, because walk is uh, a special person. You know, he's a special guy. He's a great teammate. He was a great friend. He's, he's uh, just a good person, you know, and, and I like being around guys like that. It was, we were sad to see, see him go. We were sad to see him go through a couple of injuries because he would have been a guy who, you know, kind of like me stayed around for a long time he was the perfect cardinal guy we just we loved having him around and he was a he was a great cardinal when he was there when he was healthy one of the best in the game so it's a it's it's a it's a cool thing for me to hear somebody special to me like that you know actually say that what we were doing together actually meant something because i know how special my mentors were me and uh and to hear Michael say that, that, that means a lot. And Adam, we, we see him bounce back, have a, a great year after the injuries, as you mentioned. You've done that. We, now we're seeing Miles Michaelis pitch so well coming off of his injuries. How much has medicine changed for pitchers since you started in the majors in 2005? Oh, medicine, huh? Um, I think, <laughs> for pitchers. I think really uh, recovery – has become a big part of of baseball and pitchers games i mean you know it it used to be recovery used to not really be a a thought honestly it was for for me and, and most other people it was it was uh you know the day after you pitch how hard can i push my body and, and some guys still do this uh, i can't do it at my age anymore but how hard can i push my body in the weight room crushing legs crushing upper body those couple of days in between how hard can i run how fast can i go you know how much can i push and some of that's good honestly you you want to get to a point where you can really you can push through things sometimes and you can see how far your body will go but I, i've really been uh seeing the benefits of of how important recovery is also to go along with that at least um you know uh, michelle and i talked about thing called the hyperbaric chamber which is something I, I try to do a couple times a week get in there and and uh get the blood pumping and and then we you know I, i'm right now i'm hooked up to a thing called a normatech that that 
gets the blood flowing better in your legs and your upper body. And then, I'm, you know, I'm also hooked up to something called the Beamer right now that, that gets your capillaries flowing. And it's all designed to get those lactic, lactic acids out and, and pump in good, clean blood, get all that oxygenated blood into your, your bloodstream better and faster. And, and, and that really promotes healing. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of been remarkable for me to, to see the benefits of, of healing. You know, it's something that Obviously, you know, when you cut your finger or something, you put a you put some neosporin or a Band-Aid on it or whatever. I wasn't doing that to my body very often, you know, honestly. I wasn't I wasn't uh I wasn't taking the time to heal up and and uh I was just working, pushing, pushing, pushing and, and eventually that ends up uh hurting you, honestly. Um so you gotta take the time to get ready and, and, and to recover and, and I've seen the benefits of that big time. And I, I think Miles and all the other pitchers out there are taking advantage of that. I mean, I never got a massage in my life until two years ago and uh that was incredible for me i always thought you know that's for wimps or whatever and now i'm like hey i need all these wimpy things i can get (laughs) well we hear about the blues that they can't keep david perron out of the out of the massage room and it's clearly a thing that helps guys especially as you move along in a career as you do get older uh, if you can get your muscles smoothed out and if like that's another thing with lactic acid right it's another thing that helps just in the general recovery process and you need it. I mean, these seasons are so long, and and uh, Veron's in there for a reason, man. You know, you, you get tight, you get all bound up, and then what happens is when when something's not flowing and working like it should, something else takes the brunt of that, and you compromise by you know putting more pressure on something else, and that's where injuries occur. One of the reasons I wanted to ask you about Miles is because it wasn't too long ago where if a guy had a forearm strain that kept him out for a couple of months, we would say, just get the Tommy John, all right? Because we know it's going to be Tommy John. And now we've reached a point where it seems like when you look at a guy like DeGrom, who's going to come back without Tommy John surgery, apparently, and uh, we, we see Miles, it, that's another thing that seems to have changed, at least from my view in the last 15 years. It doesn't seem like uh, doctors and teams are as enthusiastic about going in there and just doing a surgery. Uh, I, I would say that um, teams were ever like overly enthusiastic and pushing people. Now, I have heard parents um, of young people say, yeah, he's got a sore elbow. I think we're just going to have Tommy John. I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. That's, you know, because anytime you have surgery and you cut on things and then you replace them with other things and it takes time to recover, sometimes you don't recover, honestly. It's a, it's a tricky, you know, surgery, the, the surgery success rate on Tommy John is very high. They have a, the, the rehab protocols down to a science for sure. But it's still surgery. It's still you're still uh, there's still complications that can happen and and I I'm living evidence that that rehabbing things work at least for a time I mean I, I partially strained my elbow my junior year of high school you know and I had six years before I partially strained it again in AAA and then I had six years until it it did it again so I, I actually played for for 12 years after the initial strain. And if I had had Tommy John and AAA where it was a, it was on the table as a possibility, I wouldn't have closed out the world series in 06. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have had two Cy Young finalist seasons in nine and 10, probably, you know, it was just, it, everything would have been pushed back. If, and, and if I had had it in AAA, who knows where my, my career path would have gone. Would I have 
would I have trended in a different direction? Would the Cardinals have seen me as an injury risk? Would I would I have had the opportunity to to pitch all season in 05, learn the lessons I did, and get called up and then sit down, which is inevitably one of the, the game changers for me in my career? Would I have had the ability to to go out and, and pitch in the World Series the following year? Probably not. You know, I would it just wouldn't have happened that way. So everything happens for a reason, but. You know, don't rush into surgery. Make sure you've you've exhausted all the other options first because who knows, you might end up closing World Series out in the meantime. Such good perspective, Adam. This is why we love talking to you. But speaking of recovery, your battery mate, Yadier Molina, dealing with some knee inflammation right now. He's out on the injury list. And when we got the news, the first thing I thought of was, oh, man, I hate that Yadier's dealing with an injury, and I hope that he's okay. I was worried about his health first. But then right after that, I'm thinking, oh, man, but the battery record, the all-time battery record, Wayno and Yadier are so close. They're within striking distance. I hope that that's not in jeopardy. Is that something that crosses your mind, too? Are you concerned about him missing time and that that record being in jeopardy at all? Well, I would say that everything you thought, I thought. You know, <laughs> the first things first. You're worried about your friend and my teammate, and you're worried about you know his health and and his happiness. And and uh, playing hurt, playing hurt sucks. You know, just being honest. It, it uh, when you're when you're actually injured and out there trying to perform, it can be really really tough. And I've I've done that. Yadier was doing that, and so. Take the time to get your mind right, get your body right. I mean, that's important, you know, and, and so that's first things first. Um, but then, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of like, but, you know, we hope he gets back relatively quick so that <laughs> we can get this thing kind of locked up. Um, but, you know, if it doesn't happen um, for whatever reason, uh, we, in my mind, we still have like the, 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 well, I don't know what word I'm looking for here, the contemporary record or what, the record for, I mean, those those other guys are playing in the 50s. You know, they're starting every four days. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, before that, those people are starting every three days, you know. And and uh, so I, no one's going to even come close to what we're doing anymore. Um, people that pitch together for a long time will come over to me and Yachty all the time and say, I don't even know how it's possible that y'all have got that many. You know, so it's pretty neat. But it would be really nice to have the record. That'd be. I mean, I asked. I asked Conroy the other day, Chris Conroy, our trainer, one of our trainers. I said, "Hey, am I wrong to look at this battery record as really cool, or am I just kind of like you know super biased?" He goes, "No, it's really cool. It's really neat. It's, you need to get that record." I'm like, "All right, cool. I'm glad we're." In- yeah, Adam, we, we think it's really cool, too. We want it for you guys badly. Well, uh, one more thing about Yachty. For him to not play, we know he must be dealing with a lot of pain because this guy is notoriously tough. He plays through injuries. He never wants to not play. What's the toughest thing that you've seen Yachty or Molina do? Well, there's no tougher thing than answering the bell every day for an entire season as a catcher. I mean, catchers are got to be the toughest people in the world. I mean, some of them anyways, you know, I know there's other professions that would argue that, but being a catcher, you know, they're constantly getting hit every single place, they're getting hit in the face, getting hit in the, you know, what as a dude, you know, getting hit in the <laughs> shoulder, getting hit in the feet and the knees, you know, bending down in a crouch for 45 seconds for me. I'm like, gosh, I'm ready to stand back up, you know? So doing that for an entire game for 162 games, Yachty was catching, you know, 140 games a year for a long, 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 long time. Um, he's he just had the most put out in the history of the game as a catcher. I mean, that's amazing. You know, it's really amazing. Um, I think 
I think watching him get hit in the gonads from with a hundred hundred and two mile an hour fastball, you know, and have to have surgery and miss time and come back and, and then have the stones to do it again, to get back in the same crouch and catch the same pitcher, Jordan Hicks throwing hundred and two again. I mean, that's pretty tough to me, you know. I, I mean as you know, just talking from a guy's perspective, it doesn't get much tougher than that. Adam, I don't know about you, but it hurt me just to hear that story. <laughs> I didn't even have to deal with it. I, I just heard it. What people don't know, I I walked with him up to the to the to the uh, to the clubhouse because you know, he needed help. I, the trainer had him on one side, and I was on the other side, and and uh, I walked him up the stairs. And every step he took, it was like he was getting kicked by a mule, mm. you know, and. And it was just over and over again the whole way there. It was like, oh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I hurt so bad for you right now. Like, oh, God. Oh, man, that, that had to be one of the most painful things in the history of the world. Yeah, that, that's big time tough. Hey, you have piqued our interest because you, today was the second time you mentioned what a game changer it was for you to get sent down in 05. Why was that such a game changer for Adam Wainwright's career? Well, it was just a, it was the opportunity to, to to self-reflect in a way that I had not done before. Where I, you look at your your career in an honest, you know, in an honest way, you see the career path that's lined up before you. Do you want to stay on that career path, or do you want to go a different route? And for me, getting sent down was an opportunity to go. All right, I have to change something. Something here needs to be different, and I have to be the one to change it. And uh, and that that sometimes those moments of failure are the biggest teachers in life. You know, I, Lionel Richie's a, a big. I'm a big fan of Lionel Richie, but I'm a big fan of American Idol too. And and he says something all the all the time on American Idol that I think is a great teach for anybody out there. And he says he says when you win, you win, and when you lose, you learn. And uh, that was a great a great learning from moment for me. Where um, you know sometimes those moments of defeat those can lead you to to moments of of winning later on down the road if you learn from them shout out to lionel richie yeah. for that sage of wisdom i love that um bueno, did you have to alter your preparation during that time did you have to do kind of what matt carpenter did and and break everything down and and maybe find the kinetics or the the mechanics of your throwing to feel better what did you really have to adjust during that time was a mindset thing for me everything well everything else was fine but i just uh we talked about this and we tell this story last time or a couple times ago didn't i tell you all this story or no no really that's interesting to me okay (laughs) so i would tell you a story then i mean how much time do we have do i have three four minutes yeah yeah go ahead we do so uh when i was in uh double a and for the double a braves i was uh it might have even been after high, but I think double A. I was picked to go. Yeah, I think it was 03 because it was an Olympic qualifier. I was picked to go play for Team USA to try to qualify for the Olympics in 04. And uh, got to go out to the Arizona Fall League and play with, with all the best minor league players in the game. I mean, it was it was just a, a team of just absolute studs, you know. And most of, most of those guys on that team ended up being major league superstars. And... Um, you know, I got in there and they said, you're going to, you know, Dave Stewart was my pitching coach, won four games, four seasons in a row of 20 games for the Oakland A's. And just just a, just a, a mammoth of a man uh, on the mound and in real life, too. Manager was uh, Frank Robinson, Hall of Fame 
one of the greatest players of all time. And uh, they said, all right, you're going to be our number two or number three starter, probably number two starter going into this. We're really excited to have you. I said, man, this is my dream come true, playing for Team USA, representing our country, going to, you know, this is, I doesn't get any better that for, than that for me. I mean, if I wouldn't have got uh, signed in 2020, I was going to put my name in the, in the hat, you know, to go play for Team USA over in Tokyo. That would have been a, a dream come true for me. So this was a, a lifetime changing moment for me. I go get to play for Team USA. So I go out there to train in the Arizona Fall League against the other top prospects around minor league baseball. And, and uh, I throw my first bullpen session. Dave Stewart says, man, this is great. You're looking great. You know, can't wait to watch you pitch. And, and I, I go out and pitch three times and get absolutely torched every time I pitched. Just gave it up every time. And a couple days before the team was about to leave to go to Panama to, to, to try to qualify for the Olympics, Dave and Frank call me into the office and say, hey, man, we got to send you out. You know, it's just not working. You're not going to pitch for us. Just don't, you know, don't see it. And I said, well, what's the problem? I thought you told me I was number two starter. And he said, yeah, you were until I watched you pitch, and you're just not ready yet. You know, we can't, we can't put, you know, the entire fate of the Olympics on, on the line for a guy who's just not ready yet. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, Adam. Dave Stewart looked at me right in the face and said, Adam, you're never going to make it unless you learn to believe in yourself. you got a, gr- a lot of great talent, but you don't, you don't have any mental ability right now to believe in that talent. And so when you go out there and pitch, I can see that, and so can the hitters, and they're just feeding off you right now. So I was the only one sitting home um, from that team, didn't make it. Then, uh, you know, that, that offseason I get traded um, from, the, from the Braves, my – my longtime love, Atlanta Braves, to the Cardinals, which ended up being the best thing ever in my career. Um, but at the time, I, I, you know, I, I found out a couple months later that I was traded because uh, they got into a room. Walt Jockety called, said, "We want Adam." John Sherholt says, "No way." But then Bobby Cox and seven of the top advisors for the Atlanta Braves said, "No, no, no. You've got to trade this guy. He's never going to make it." Only one guy, Roy Clark. Um, no, not Roy Clark. There was another guy in there that uh, I think he was a longtime Paul Snyder, a longtime scout uh, that was one of the guys that uh, was in charge of drafting me. He was the only guy that said, if you trade this guy, it's going to be a mistake. All the other seven people in the room said, this guy's never going to make it. You have to trade him now. Get get what you can for him because he's never going to make it. But then I get traded. I get sent home from the, the playoffs that year in 2005. I'm the only player sent home. Everybody else goes on the trip. Walk outside. I get into this little John boat after Albert Pujols hit that dramatic home run against Brad Lidge. I walk outside. I get this little John boat, and I start thinking back. I'm like, gosh, they were crazy when they sent me out of the, the fall league. They were crazy when they traded me. They're, they're crazy, you know, when they sent me down, and and I didn't get to go to the playoffs. Everybody else is crazy, and then I thought, gosh, for the first time in my life, man, it's not everybody else. It's me. I got to change. It's just it's my fault. It's my problem. I'm the one that's that's at fault here. It's, they're right. I've got to change. And so I just on the spot committed. Started. I mean, you know, I'm in. It's mid. It's it's night outside. It's pitch dark. I'm out in this little boat on the middle of this lake. It's like a little four or five acre lake in this community that I was living in, and uh, just out there crying, bawling. My neighbors were probably freaked out by it. And uh, you know, I'm just calling and crying up to God. I'm just like, hey, from now on. I come in, I'm going to make every pitch like it's the last pitch of the World Series. I'm going to throw every pitch with such conviction 
with such with such fortitude, with such belief that it's the last pitch of the World Series. That's how serious I'm going to take it. <coughs> that's that's the 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 work that goes into it. Every every throw in practice, every rep in the gym, every sprint I take. It's going to be with the conviction and the and the importance that it's the last pitch of the World Series. And so I went into spring training that year. I'm on the bullpen mound. Dave Duncan looked at me and said, you're different, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir. And uh, that was before I'd even thrown a pitch. And I threw my bullpen. He goes, stay right there. It looks good. <laughs> I, I threw uh, nine or ten games in spring training that year. I gave up like two hits, no runs. Made the team. Tony called me in and said, I don't know how you did it, but you're going north with us. Congratulations. You made the team. I said, thank you, sir. Um he goes, just stay right there. I said, yes, sir. So uh, I pitched 62 games that regular season. Ended up becoming the closer at the end of the year. Closed out the World Series, or closed out the NLDS, the NLCS, and the World Series. I see Tony afterwards. He says he looks at me and he goes, I don't know how you did that because you were terrible last year. Tell me how you did it. How is it possible? And I said, Well, you don't understand. I told him that story. I said, You don't understand. I had already thrown. I'd already pitched in the World Series all offseason. I already pitched in the World Series all spring training long in those 10 appearances. I'd already pitched in the World Series all 62 games of the regular season. I'd already closed out the World Series all those 72 times. And then when I did it nine more times in the postseason, I'd already closed out the World Series all those nine times. And so when I actually did close out the World Series, it was old hat. I'd already done it almost 80 times. And he said, I'll be damned. Stay right there, and so that's where I've been ever since, you know. And so that was uh, those learning moments, you know. It was those those moments of failure that that uh, were the teaching moments for me that that actually ended up being the, the the biggest reasons for success later on. You had never told us that story, and it's an amazing story. And the, the one thing that I I need to know is obviously Tony and Dunk were in communication with Dave Stewart. They're all very tight. So have you since then crossed paths with Dave Stewart and talked to him about that, that statement? Hey, you're not ready. And you got to believe in yourself. I have not seen Dave Stewart in person uh, since walking out of that office with him. So, uh, no, okay. I haven't. <laughs> I, I think that would be an interesting one for him to hear, too. Adam, you're – One day – Please, please be, do, Adam. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. So many great things going on with the foundation. We had a great time at the trivia night. We had a great time with Swing for Impact. And I know over the course of the weekend, there was a raffle for a home on St. Simon Island, Georgia. And you had somebody donate a beautiful home near your home in Georgia and a lucky winner, too. Yeah, right in my hometown of St. Simons Island, Georgia, right on the coast of Georgia. A lot of people don't even know there's a beach in Georgia, but there we have a, a, a beautiful coast down there. It's a wonderful vacation spot. Um, but Matt and Anna McDonald um, donated their house. It's a it, it it sleeps like 14 or 16 people. It's just a wonderful home. It's like a half mile from the beach. It's just a great spot for a vacation rental. Um, but they donated that to Big League Impact so we could raffle it off. And a guy named Brian Neal is the winner of the raffle. And uh, so he's going to enjoy a great thing down there. So thanks to, uh, to to Matt and Anna. Congrats to Brian on that great thing. Um, but it, it was a it was a it was a, a great fundraiser for us. 
they're going to have a great time down there, but it, it also raised a lot of money for Big League Impact for sure. And uh, players around Major League Baseball, and this is one of my favorite things about Big League Impact, is that players around Major League Baseball are involved with Big League Impact's all-win campaign, and people can contribute just by going to bigleagueimpact.org. You can, and, and what all-win all means is uh, every time the Cardinals win a game, several of our players and players around Major League Baseball have have chipped in. I'm donating – I think $500 for every time we win um, to Big League Impact, and people can join in with me on that. Every time we win, everybody wins. You know, we're all going to try to chip in so that um, so that we can help more people through Big League Impact. So you can join our all-win campaigns. Um, Miles has an all-win campaign. Tommy has an all-win campaign. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt has an all-win campaign. Um, or I think it's Tommy Edmond and myself and Paul Goldschmidt have all-win campaigns. And Miles Michaelis has a a strikeout campaign where every strikeout he gets, he's donating money for the crisis aid women's shelter in St. Louis. And so you can join his campaign as well, but we got a lot of great things going on. You can check them all out at bigleagueimpact.org. Adam, what you do is remarkable and amazing, and we can't thank you enough for that. We always thank you for your generosity with your time and go get them against the Brewers at American Family Field. I, I'm having difficulty getting away from Miller Park and getting to American Family Field. I haven't got that in my lexicon yet. Yeah, I don't know about all these stadium name changes, you know. I mean, I understand, obviously, money talks, but uh, that's supposed to be Miller Park, isn't it? I mean, that's just it's just supposed to be Miller Park. If they ever change Fenway to, like, you know, like Randy, Randy and Michelle – dot com stadium or something i mean as much as i love y'all i'll be disappointed yeah we aren't we aren't buying fenways written yeah, no way, not in boston adam and bush needs to say bush i mean it's just got to say bush stadium right just that's it forever it's been bush since 1953 through three stadiums it, it cannot change you're exactly right have a great one adam and uh, we'll talk to you next week all right thanks guys appreciate you appreciate you too see you later hi this is chris howard host of plugged in with chris howard the college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.